Section twenty two of the Jolie Parisienne and other novelettes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Indu Nair. Margot's Gallant by Emile Zola Translated by George D. Cox Chapter 2 The Strange Catch That Sunday was a terrible day, one of those sudden September storms which set such awful tempests raging round the rocky coast of Grandport had arisen and as the light began to fade, a ship in distress was espied from Coqueville. But the darkness was increasing, and it was not possible to attempt to render any aid. The Zephyr and the Baleine had been anchored since the evening before in the little natural harbour lying between two granite walls to the left of the beach. Neither Lucky nor Rouget daring to go out in such weather, which was especially to be regretted, as Monsieur Michel, Madame de Faux's representative, had taken the trouble to come in person on the Saturday to offer them particularly good terms if they would make every effort and work hard, for the catches had not been very good lately and the markets were complaining. So Coqueville muttered and grumbled as it went to bed that Sunday evening, with the torrents of rain pouring down around it. It was the old, old tale. Whenever fish was not to be got from the sea, orders came in. Between its grumblings, the village talked of the ship which had been seen driving before the wind, and which, by now, must certainly be lying at the bottom of the sea. On the following day, Monday, the sky was still overcast and the sea still ran high and obstinately refused to become calmer, although the wind had fallen. It ceased blowing entirely, but the waves still dashed on. Then, towards the afternoon, the two boats put out, in spite of everything. At about four o'clock, the Zephyr returned, having caught nothing, and while Tupin and Brismont anchored it in the little harbour, Lacqueur stood on the beach, shaking his fist at the ocean in his exasperation. Was not Monsieur Mouchel waiting, he said. Margot was there with half Coqueville indeed, watching the furious billows and sharing her father's rancour against sea and sky. But where's the baleine? asked someone. Down there, behind that point, replied Lacqueur. And if that old tub returns today without being smashed, it will be by sheer good luck. He spoke in tones of great contempt 
and then he let it be understood that it was all very well for the mahes to risk their lives in that fashion it didn't so much matter when a man hadn't a copper to call his own but for his part he would rather fail in his promise to monsieur michel all this was said while margot stood observing the rocks behind which the baleine was supposed to be father she said at last have they taken anything they he cried not a thing he restrained himself as he caught sight of the emperor smiling and then went on more softly i don't know whether they have caught anything or not but as they never do catch anything perhaps though they have caught something today said the emperor maliciously such things have happened before now la queue was on the point of making an angry reply but the abbe radiguet came up at that moment and succeeded in soothing him he the abbe had just seen the baleine from the roof of the church and the boat seemed to be after some big fish this news caused great excitement the group on the beach comprised both mahes and floches the former wishing that the boat would return with a marvelous catch the others praying that it might come in empty margot was standing perfectly erect attentively watching the sea here they are she said quietly there was indeed a black speck coming round the point towards which they all turned their eyes it looked like a cork dancing on the water and the emperor whose eyesight was failing could not see even that much it needed a native of coqueville to recognize the baleine and its crew at such a distance why cried margot who had the best eyes in the village fouas and rouget are rowing and the boy is standing in the bows she called delphin the boy to avoid mentioning his name after that everyone watched the boat and tried to account for its strange movements as the priest had said it appeared to be after some fish which had fled before it that seemed extraordinary but the emperor declared that no doubt the fish had carried the net away with it at that lacquer exclaimed that they were idle rogues and were only amusing themselves they certainly were not fishing for sea wolves all the floches laughed at this joke while the mahes in their vexation protested that rouget was a plucky fellow ever ready to risk his life when others would rather make for land at the least capful of wind the abbe radiguet had again to interfere for matters threatened to come to blows what is the matter with them exclaimed margot suddenly they've gone off again everyone then ceased to menace his neighbor and all eyes were turned to the horizon the baleine was again hidden behind the point and this time la queue himself became uneasy he could not account for such maneuvers 
and the fear that Rouget was really catching some fish made him lose all control over himself. No one left the beach, though there was nothing to be seen, and for two hours the group stood there waiting for the boat, which came just in sight from time to time and then again disappeared. At last it did not reappear at all, and La Queue, in his rage, declared that it had gone to the bottom, really wishing that it might be so. As Rouget's wife happened to be there with Brismot, the mayor looked at them both with a chuckle and patted Tupin on the shoulder to console him for the death of his brother Fouas. But his laughter ceased when he saw his daughter Margot standing still and silent, gazing out to sea. Perhaps things were looking up for Delphin. What are you doing here? he scolded. Get back to the house, Margot, and you'd better take care what you're up to. She did not move, but suddenly exclaimed, Ah, here they are. There was a cry of surprise, for Margot vowed she could not see a soul on board, neither Rouget, nor Fouaz, nor anybody. The baleine was running before the wind, as though forsaken, tacking at every minute and lazily rocking from side to side. Fortunately, a westerly wind had arisen and was driving the boat towards land, though in a strange zigzag fashion. Then all Coqueville went down on the beach, some calling the others, until there was not a girl left in all the houses to look after the dinner. There was some catastrophe, something inexplicable, which turned everybody's head. Marie, Rouget's wife, thought she ought to burst into tears, and did so. Tupin only succeeded in putting on an air of sorrow, and all the Mahes began lamenting, while the Floches tried to dissimulate their delight. Margot had sat down as if her limbs had given way under her. "'What are you up to now?' cried Lacieux as he found her under his feet. "'I am tired,' she answered quietly. And she turned her face towards the sea, her cheeks in her hands, and her eyes hidden by the tips of her fingers, as she gazed at the boat which was rocking still more lazily, like a good-tempered craft that has drunk too much. Different suppositions were still forthcoming. Perhaps the three men had fallen into the water, only it seemed odd that they should all have fallen in together. Lacquer would have liked to make everyone believe that the baleine had gone to pieces like a rotten egg, but the boat was still floating and people shrugged their shoulders at the mayor's words. Then suddenly the latter remembered that he was the mayor, and he spoke of the formalities that would have to be gone through, as if the men had really perished. Don't talk like that, cried the emperor. Do people ever die in such a stupid, senseless fashion? If they had fallen into the water, little Delphin would have been here by now. 
all coqueville was obliged to own that little delphin swam like a fish but then where could the three men be there were cries of i tell you they are drowned i tell you they are not you great fool fool yourself and sundry blows were also exchanged the abbe radiguet had to entreat his parishioners not to quarrel and the emperor proceeded to restore order by pushing everybody about all this while the boat was dancing on the waves in sight of everyone the tide which was bringing it in making it salute the shore in long measured bows the craft had certainly gone mad margot was still sitting with her cheeks between her hands watching it a skiff had just put out from the harbour to go and meet the baleine it was brismot who had had this idea for he was too impatient to wait any longer and wanted to relieve the suspense of rouget's wife then everyone's interest was centred in the smaller boat and voices were raised and became excited well could brismot see anything the baleine was still coming on in its mysterious facetious way and at last from the shore they saw brismot rise and look into the fishing boat one of the ropes of which he had caught hold of all the people on the beach held their breath but suddenly brismot burst out laughing that was indeed a surprise what could there be to amuse him what is it what is it shouted everyone at the top of their voices he said nothing in reply but laughed still louder and made signs to them that they would soon see for themselves what the matter was then tying the baleine to his boat he towed it to land and coqueville was stupefied by a totally unexpected sight rouget delphin and fouaze were lying on their backs at the bottom of the craft snoring heavily and dead drunk beside them there was a little staved-in cask a cask which they had found full and the contents of which they had tasted whatever it had contained had no doubt been very good for they had drunk every drop except about a pint which had run out and was now mixed with some sea-water in the boat oh the pig cried rouget's wife roughly drying her eyes well their cat is something to be proud of said la queue affecting great disgust well replied the emperor people catch what they can get and at any rate they have caught a cask while others have caught nothing at all the mayor was greatly put out but he said no more all coqueville was talking they understood it now when boats are tipsy they reel about like men and that one was indeed full of liquor coqueville then laughed and gave way to its ill temper the mahes thinking the incident very droll while the floches thought it disgusting both factions crowded round the baleine 
their necks stretched out and their eyes wide opened to look at these three jubilant-faced men who slept calmly on unconscious of the crowd leaning over them the scolding and the laughter did not disturb them in the slightest degree rouget did not hear his wife accuse him of always drinking all he could lay his hands on and fouas did not feel the stealthy kicks his brother tupin was bestowing on his ribs as for delphin he looked quite pretty when he had drunk a good deal with his fair hair and pink face with its rapturous expression margot had risen to her feet and was now silently contemplating the lad with an air of severity they ought to be put to bed exclaimed someone but just then delphin opened his eyes and looked around he was at once assailed with eager questions which somewhat dazed him for he was still very tipsy well what's the matter he stammered it's a little cask there's no fish so we caught a little cask that was all that could be got from him and at the end of every sentence he added it was very nice but what was there in the cask oh i don't know but it was very nice now everyone was burning with curiosity as to what the liquor was and every nose in cockville was sniffing at the boat it was unanimously agreed that it smelt like some liquor only no one could say what liquor it was the emperor who flattered himself that he had tasted everything possible for man to drink said that he would see and in the hollow of his hand he gravely scooped up a little of the liquid lying in the bottom of the boat the crowd stood silently awaiting his verdict but after the first mouthful he shook his head as though he had not yet arrived at a conclusion he tasted it twice more and became very much embarrassed and surprised it's funny but i don't know what it is he was forced to own no doubt i should know if there wasn't any sea-water mixed with it but upon my word it's funny people looked at each other for it must be something remarkable if the emperor himself could not say what it was and all coqueville gazed at the little empty barrel with respect it was very nice said delphin again who seemed utterly regardless of the people around him then designating the sea with a broad wave of the hand he added if you want any there's some more left i saw some little casks little casks little casks and he rocked himself to and fro humming this refrain and gazing at margot whose presence he had only just perceived she was furious and she raised her hand to give him a box on the ears but he did not even close his eyes and awaited the blow with a tender look on his face puzzled by this unknown beverage the abbe radiguet dipped his finger in the liquid also and then sucked it but like the emperor he shook his head no 
It was very astonishing, but he could not tell what it was. There was only one point on which everyone was agreed, and that was that the barrel must have been part of the cargo of the vessel in distress, which had been seen on the Sunday evening. English ships often brought liquors and wines to Cromport. The day gradually closed in, and in the deepening shadows the crowd withdrew, but Laqueux, tormented by an idea he had not revealed, still stood thinking, and as they carried Delphine away, he still seemed to hear the lad saying in his sing-song voice, Little casks, little casks, little casks, if you want any, there's some more left. End of section 22